0: Well, hello
1: Seattle, hello Puget Sound, and welcome to Happy Hour Radio. I'm your host, Christopher Chan, advanced sommelier, your weekend wine guy, and your Commodore of cocktails. So happy you're joining me right here in 570 KVI every Saturday night, 6 p.m. to 7 p.m. And uh, if you ever do miss a show... Don't fret. We've got uh, a website, happyhourradio.net. We've got a host of all of our shows coming on 130 now. Been doing this a while, and I'm almost getting good at it. So thanks for tuning in. Tell your friends about the show. And, uh, well, sit back, relax, and pour yourself something fun. Uh, Happy Father's Day weekend. It uh, is the day to celebrate the dad, uh, at least the weekend. And uh, I have the pleasure of having um, my father, Dr. Gregory Chan, is in the studio. For Father's Day, we're going to chat about, uh, well, how I got into wine through uh, him being into wine. So, hey pops, welcome to Happy Hour.
2: Good. Good afternoon.
1: Good evening. It's uh, 6 p.m. on Saturday night. <laughs> but uh, these late nights, it looks like it'd be a long afternoon, because it doesn't get dark until 10 these days. Well, hey, um, you are from Hong Kong, and we were just in Vin Expo a couple weeks ago. Um, How does a Chinese guy come to America and get into wine?
2: Well, it was sort of the right thing to do, being a uh, newly paid physician. After getting out of medical school, poor as a church mouse, the first paycheck is Mm -hmm. uh, ready to... uh, to be spent, so it's just quite ready to uh, enjoy some of the luxuries of life, and wine certainly is on our our list.
1: So we're talking about uh, the early 60s, is this correct?
2: That would be 1967.
1: 1967, and uh, we're talking about the state of Wisconsin. Uh, Of course. And uh, the city of Milwaukee, so that's where my birth certificate, uh, well, was uh, printed, I guess. when you're looking back in those days, did they, they didn't have the wine section at the local Kroger's or Safeway back then. Where did you find wine?
2: You know, Milwaukee is known for its beers. So with it, of course, there's uh, supplements and complement to the uh, alcohol enjoyment. So there are plenty of wine shops. And uh, the wine shops are as frequent uh, as the taverns, actually. So there's happened to be one, that was about two blocks from where we lived.
1: Wow. Uh, well, I remember going back and checking out, uh, doing a tour at Miller Beer when I was 18, and that was kind of fun for Wisconsin. The drinking age in Milwaukee was 18, and I certainly enjoyed that, going back to visit some of the relatives. Um, let's go back. You had that first paycheck. What was the first bottle of wine?
2: Well, actually, uh, we started pretty simple. We started drinking rosé. <laughs> rosé. Uh, <Rose. laughs> Not white, not red. It's very pleasant and uh, and smooth.
1: And where's this rosé from? And this is, uh, I, I believe, it's they're probably not making rosé in Wisconsin, perhaps maybe California, but uh, I, this is, must be a European wine.
2: It was indeed. It, I believe, it was some Spain, and they were about. When I started buying, it was about a dollar a bottle.
1: A Dollar bottle. It had a cork because they weren't using twist off back then, were they? Well, of course
2: not. It's a beautiful bottle that we actually save for, um, for oil containers.
1: You mean like candles? Candles like, we, we, too. Is this Lancers? Is this what we're talking? about? That's Portugal, though, isn't it?
2: Yeah, that that Lancer, Matus, and cheaper yet. I think we had Isabel. Isabel.
1: Okay, I don't know if they're still around. Um, So the first bottle of wine and that first paycheck after being an indebted student of medical school, you went and bought a bottle of Lancer's Rose. Yes. Wow, for a dollar. Yes now was this a liter bottle, or did they were doing the seven fifties back then?
2: I believe it was seven fifty. I don't believe they had those big huge bottles like we have now
1: all right and uh did you was this an evening was this a Saturday evening or was this a sunday morning what when were you able to cash this check and venture out to one of the many the prolific uh number of wine shops there in milwaukee
2: i I believe in those days um Drinking wine is sort of like a social thing, so I th- intended to to share uh, uh, with other friends for uh, for wine so I remember that we just sat around and, and drank the rose one or two bottles per night <laughs> and uh, How far did that paycheck go with a dollar a bottle it did, it, it did go very far because I think uh, I think we're able to support uh, your mother and I and uh, the three of us.
1: Oh, well, um, obviously you were probably weren't in the income bracket. Uh, <laughs> you were <laughs> 30 years later, so that was a good thing. Um, coming from a Chinese family and a Chinese background, I, I don't believe that uh, wine was a significant part of the uh, Chinese tradition or meal or diet. So how, did you have any wine when you were in Hong Kong?
2: no no we, we we were not a drinking family in fact uh the only time that we got to drink anything is during any festivities like weddings and maybe birthdays, and we used to drink just brandy anywhere from uh special to v s o p
1: so uh brandy meaning cognac or are we actually doing uh just Spanish brandy and things.
2: Indeed it, it is cognac and indeed it was Hennessy oh. because it was a very uh, uh, respected um, and also popular brand and kind of like uh, very prestigious to have a bottle of Hennessy on the table.
1: Oh, well, I, I agree, and uh, now you can uh, find those bottles of Hennessy in most nightclubs uh, where the prestige factor is a, a must-have. And uh, I'm pleased to have uh, Dr. Gregory Chan here, uh, my father, here for Father's Day weekend here on Happy Hour Radio. We're talking about how he got into wine and subsequently how I got into wine. Um, interesting, uh, not coming from a uh, China, uh, f- drinking family from Hong Kong, um, <laughs> we ended up falling in love with a woman in Milwaukee, and apparently they drink a lot in Milwaukee. Yeah? Yes. 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 They can't see you nod your head here on the radio, Dad, so you got to oh, say sorry. something. <laughs> um, and, and speaking of radio, didn't you actually start off a career in radio prior to uh, departing Hong Kong for America?
2: So I did. Actually, it was my intended uh, uh, career in Hong Kong. I started in um, radio shows as um, in children program. So we were having our children's hour once a week, 15, 15 minute slot. I was able to uh, start out as an uh, uh, you call actor and proceeded to be uh, a writer and a producer and I actually had a program of my own uh, in Hong Kong radio or radio Hong Kong in those days until I was 21.
1: Well, what was the name of that program?
2: Well we uh, we had. It's called Children's Hour, of course, and we, we broadcast uh, uh, short versions and serials of uh, stories and kind of dramatize it from the popular uh, children's stories.
1: So you had to do your own sound effects, like you were walking down the hallway, you'd have the pair of shoes doing
2: clunk, clunk, clunk? Absolutely. However, I think we were able to... Uh, uh, get a couple of engineers to help us with all the sound effects although that, yes you're right we, we did have to do our own sometimes
1: wow so the fruit has not fallen far from the tree apparently um, and, and I've, I've become an expert at uh, what we'll say tasting and not so much drinking but perhaps I could be a master of all that as well so uh, Pops the first one was Lancer's Rose um, how did you graduate from that did you go to a, a restaurant did uh, sacramental wine turn you on what What was it that led you out of the uh, the Spanish and
2: Portuguese wines. Well, indeed, um, I forgot to mention uh, that when I was in college, I was at a Benedictine Abbey, where the college uh, belonged. And I served the monastery breakfast, lunch, and dinner in the kitchen. So, as you know, Benedictine monks Drinks with their meals, so they wine twice a week. Uh, I think so it's once a day Sunday. or twice a week. Well, twice a week, okay. And then, of course, on those two days, it's twice. I believe it's twice a day. I was able to clean out the remain of the pitchers, so I remember that my uh, fellow students or kitchen helper and I, and finish our work um, drinking the rest of the. Um, they have been Benedictine wine and that's how I got started with wine That was when I was uh, working in a kitchen in college
1: wow corrupted by another catholic guy huh is that how it works well it's
2: a it's a secret <laughs> thing of course was
1: this sacramental wine or were they able to go down to the store and buy something uh you know something other than
2: manischewitz i have no idea where they come from because they came in the form of pitchers oh and therefore but they they were they were pretty tasty of course, I wouldn't be able to describe it for you now. It was such a long time ago.
1: All right, and uh, so I, I trust those were still European wines. Um, when did you find your first Epiphany wine? I, I can say that Lancer's Rosé was probably delicious in and, and a coiffure, but could you say that was really the moment where you fell in love with
2: the wine, or was there another wine, that moment where you said, Aha, holy smokes. Well... It was one of those nice afternoons we were taking a stroll around the neighborhood and did venture, be, venture down beyond two blocks of our home and found this uh, so-called wine depot. And I walk in there and it so happened the fact that they have a lot of wooden boxes in which there are uh, multiple uh, varieties of wine in different, uh, from different regions of France so um I guess i were I was in a good mood, and I talked to the salesperson, and I end up purchase twenty cases of wine in wooden cases.
1: 20 cases. You went from single bottles of Lancer's Rosé to 20 wooden cases of French
2: wine? Absolutely. I think I went crazy that day.
1: Okay, so there must have been a sale, because I don't think you're paying full price (laughs) if I know you very well.
2: (laughs) No, it was was a very attractive offer, and I believe that uh, I was able to get at those days first and second growth of Bordeaux for under about $8 a bottle plus a deep 20% discount, I I still remember that.
1: Wow, so you went from Lancer's Rose to First Growth Bordeaux in the matter of
2: a couple of months, uh, perhaps a year or two? Uh, Within a couple of months, actually, because uh, I was in a good mood, and I felt that um, it would be a good time to start um, enjoying the good things of life. You
1: purchased these wines uh wine untasted site well, obviously you saw them, but did they open a bottle? Does this help you elevate your mood and your willingness to uh relinquish some of the hard earned indebted money that you earned? No, I just trusted
2: the guy, and uh, I believe that since he's he was in the neighborhood, therefore he's something I didn't like. Maybe he would take it back, but obviously we uh, we managed to to keep it all and uh and I hate to tell you that. I still had a couple of bottles that uh, that I bought in those, in those days.
1: Well, what are we talking about? What, first growth or second growth? Well, uh, I
2: think the uh, first growth would be a 1964 Aubriens. Oh. It's still there. And uh, I even have a 1934 Louisville Las Gas is still sitting uh, in the cellar.
1: Wow! Mm-hmm. All right. Well, you uh, got off on the right foot there, O'Brien of Escas, and of course you uh, you fell in love with Bordeaux at that time. And um, speaking of Bordeaux, you brought a couple of bottles of wine, Bordeaux blends. And when we come back from this break, we'll continue with uh, the Father's Day special featuring Dr. Gregory Chan, my dad. Hey, stick around. I'll be right back on Happy Hour Radio.
0: Northwest original, Lars Larson, live weekdays, noon to 3, Talk Radio 570, KVI. KVI Want to Know Weekends continue. Now back to Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. All right, happy Father's Day Saturday night, and uh, welcome back to Happy Hour
1: Radio. It's time for round two. Hope you got something great in your glass. And uh, speaking of glasses, I've got two lovely glasses of red wine compliments of dr gregory k chan Uh, father's day weekend my father's day guest and also my father we're talking about how he got into wine and subsequently how i therefore got into wine Um, dad you talked about buying 20 cases um wine untasted from some guy you trusted a couple blocks from your house and uh 20 cases is a lot of wine that's 240 bottles um Did you go home and crack some open right away, or how did you sit on it? What happened?
2: Well, we certainly didn't know that we had to sit on it, and I think the advice was they are all pretty drinkable, and therefore we uh, actually started to uh, enjoy it with friends. And of course, uh, we had a lot of friends then. (laughs)
1: <laughs> okay, so um, let's talk about uh, what's great about Milwaukee. Or of course, it is truly one of the melting pot cities. You've got uh, the German town. You've got uh, the Italian town. You've got the Polish town. Uh, you've got uh, who else? You, all sorts of folks out there. What kind of foods were you dining on? I, I trust they had a Chinese restaurant because every American re- city has one Chinese restaurant.
2: There was there were two that I know of. One is high end in uh, downtown and Komoi and then the other one is a uh, hole in the wall right by uh, medical by medical school where i usually study and uh, had uh, lunch uh, at that shop High <laughs> end or uh, the hole in the wall and that's where i actually uh, met your mother at the hole in the wall Uh yeah we we sort of kind of like we met at lunch and, uh, when she got off work and and uh, so that's how we we can uh, Mm. See each other from time to time.
1: Okay, and uh, cheap too. W- yeah, sure. Um, obviously, you spent all your money on wine, so you could afford. Uh, what do you had a wine diet on a rice budget or something like that, or something like that. Of course. Um, did you uh, was uh, Doctor Darlene Chan into wine at that time, or or being a good Milwaukee girl was she a bru- a beer person? Because I know <laughs> the history of her family is that her uh, grandfather had a tavern. Yes, indeed.
2: However, I don't believe that she was into wine drinking at the time. I think she she tried a little bit of it, and, and she went along with me anyhow.
1: As every good 16- and 17-year-old would do, <laughs> just to taste, uh, to enjoy the finer things in life, for sure. So you had some first-growth wine. Uh, you have a couple bottles left of these 20-some cases, and uh, did did you... Is this how doctors start? You start buying first gross with your first second paycheck and then next thing you know you've got the uh
2: the high end buying disease? I started out just because I didn't know anything. And I believe the fact that the fellow at the shop realizing what I got in my pocket and therefore he just <laughs> <As in> money <laughs> just sold me everything he could and, and I think twenty cases he delivered it over and uh it was a pretty good-looking stack.
1: And it was all red? It's all red. No Sauternes at the time?
2: No Sauternes, <laughs> except right. one bottle. I believe there's one bottle of Chateau de 1953. Oh, wow. Uh, and I still have it, actually.
1: Okay, well, we'll let's not wait too long. Um, 53 is a while back. And although Chateau de Kim can age for somewhat almost ever, and I'm sure it's a delicious wine, uh, you've then left Milwaukee, where did you go? And did you bring in 20 cases of wine
2: with you? Well, uh, good news and bad news. Of course, good news, I got a job, and I was uh, working, and uh, I was able to purchase 20 cases of wine, and then the bad news was, was within the 30 days after I bought that stash of wine, I got my draft notice. I was drafted into the United States Army Medical Corps. (laughs)
1: <laughs> you couldn't take the wine with you? Was that, they gave you a big duffel bag. You couldn't stuff any bottles in there, huh?
2: Theoric, theoretically, they promised they would move everything I got. But 20 cases of wine I just purchased was indeed a large number. And so I had to sacrifice them by drinking as much as I can before I pack it into the the truck.
1: Well, and that's probably where I started my, uh, <laughs> my wine <laughs> journey as well, uh, as a young man drinking as much as I can uh, before I got...
2: Well, there was uh, 1967, so you were barely Yeah, one years old. Barely one. Yep.
1: Um, not that we're telling everybody how old I am, which is fine, uh, yeah. it's been 19... wait, 2016. <laughs> All right, so um, you got out of the Army. You... Ended up uh, making a couple more bucks, and did you continue buying wine at a twenty
2: case pace? No, actually, I became more um, methodical. Okay. And when I was in the service, I was able to uh, uh, get into the officers' club, and where there was plenty of uh, domestic uh, wine, and at the in those days, uh, California was making delicious uh, Cabernet Sauvignon, so we were able to uh, taste and drink quite a bit of that, and become a, a pretty good, uh, good uh, follower of some of the wonderful uh, California wineries.
1: And I understand that California is still making pretty good Cabernet Sauvignon. Um, But I don't see you buying much of it anymore, although I did
2: spy a couple cases of Camus somewhere the other day. Yes, uh, there is a change of taste. I think your mother decided that she liked Pinot Noir, and she preferred Pinot Noir of Oregon and also Burgundy. So therefore, um, we tend to uh, start uh, enjoying more of the Pinot Noir varieties.
1: Now I understand. Uh, back in the day, uh, what almost twenty, well, twenty-six years ago, you uh, started a well, a new house, and you had a wine cell at the time. Um, how many bottles of wine did we have to move to your cellar back in that day?
2: I believe there was only about a couple of thousand bottles. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah, and then thanks that you were able to do that without any loss. Either by breakage or drinkage.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, uh, we were were being paid, I think, but that was a long time ago. So um, you now have a temperature-controlled wine cellar, and uh, it hosts uh, a couple more bottles down there. Um, You brought some wine today, and uh, your passion for wine has extended into actually um, producing wine grapes. Let's talk about that. When did you decide that you wanted to be a farmer?
2: Well, <laughs> if I can use that word. <laughs> well, it was again uh, serendipity. We uh, visited Walla Walla actually for the first time back in 2006. We were standing uh, in the tasting room of Walla Walla Vinners by Gordy Veneri and looking up the hill. There is a beautiful picture with Golden wheat field, and next door to uh, still Neonetti's Upland Vineyard. And I kind of casually mentioned to uh, my friend and say, gee, with a winery here, wouldn't that be nice? That became a vineyard. So my friend overheard me and said, yeah, it's true. Would you like to have it? And I look at uh, my wife, your mother, and she said, yeah, of course, we'd love to have it. And that's the beginning of our venture into um, agriculture, wine growing, <laughs> and vineyard building.
1: Well, how fortuitous was that? Uh, I had a chance to be in Walla Walla back in 1998 as uh the wine committee uh liaison at the old Rainier Club and we I got to meet Gordy Veneery then. Uh, who knew that my first meeting with him would end up uh you know 10 years later being one of his neighbors and uh, I'm excited to be visiting Walla Walla uh, for the wall, Taste Walla Walla, no, Celebrate Walla Walla, the World of Cabernet Sauvignon, which is taking place, um, well, actually right now. And um, that's the beauty of radio. I can do everything from anywhere. And uh, we're actually in studio. So you have uh, a vineyard called
2: what? Well, it was meant to be called PUPU Mux which is in honor of the last warring chief, of the Walla Walla tribe who is murdered by the Oregon volunteers during the war, the last war of the uh, Walla Walla. However, nobody can spell or pronounce P-U-P-U-Muxmux, so I was advised to use this translation, which is yellow
1: bird. Oh, yellow bird, and uh, subsequently also known as Chan Family Vineyards. And
2: um, who's buying the grapes? Well, it's on contract and by uh, a few of the well-known and well-established wineries. And I believe that uh, Dunham uh, is one of them. And then uh, I believe that um, Doubleback is one of our clients as well. Uh, we, We don't produce a lot, but we produce good fruit. And one other thing I need to mention I want to I want to mention that we as crazy as we are we started a vineyard without irrigation we are the first ever drylander in the state of Washington to start a vineyard and has been without irrigation since 2006 to date
1: Uh, Quite a risky venture to think that you could spend um, copious amounts of uh, dollars investing in a vineyard without the uh, insurance of having water rights. Um, Water rights cost money, and uh, of course water is a valuable thing over in eastern Washington. Although there's lots of it, you still got to get some permits and things like that, but you decided to buck the trend, uh, which was really going against the entire state industry, and be the first dryland uh, planted vineyard in the state. Well, congratulations to that. When we come back from this break, we're going to talk about what grapes are growing, and uh, we're going to talk about and taste a couple bottles of wine that you brought. I should bring some gems from your cellar. I see something from Europe and something from Walla Walla. How about that? Uh, folks, if uh, you want to get in on this tasting, you got to do some tweeting, then give us a tweet at happy, at happy hr radio. If you want to check out the website, if you ever miss a show, remember the website is happyhourradio.net. And uh, be sure to to get a link and share it with some friends. We've got uh, wine, spirits, cocktails, beer, food events, and education from all around the world. we come back from this break, uh, we're going to talk more on Father's Day weekend with Dr. Gregory Chan right here on Happy Hour
0: Radio. Big names, big news, Sean Hannity, weekdays 3 to 6 p.m., Talk Radio 570, KVI. It's KVI Want to Know Weekends, and you're listening to Happy Hour Radio. Now back to Seattle, Somalia, Christopher Chan.
1: Well, hey, Seattle, happy Saturday night, and you're back to Happy Hour Radio. Time for round three. Hope you got something tasty in your glass or on your way to someplace fabulous. Seattle boasts so many great restaurants. In fact, the Northwest is a bounty, especially in June and July and August. We have uh, the best seafood and food and just produce and so much going on, and all the events and stuff. Um, And hope you're celebrating, Dad either at uh, brunch at Salties or a bottle of single malt scotch or perhaps uh, some fine wine. And, uh, Pops, uh, you brought a couple bottles of fine wine. Before we dive into those, um, we're talking about Yellowbird Vineyard, the Washington State's first dryland vineyard. That means planted without irrigation, which seems kind of crazy. But the benefits are um, lower yields, which produce higher quality grapes because the vines have to struggle, and they say struggle makes everything taste better or or just more
2: worthwhile. Also, without uh, irrigation uh for the lack of water, the root system have to penetrate deeper uh towards the uh, uh basalt basalt, and on the way down, it would find its own water and also able to absorb more minerals, as you know uh the complexity complexity of wine it depend on age of the and also the minerality that to make the wine taste more complex and a little more um, lasting. (laughs)
1: That's called terroir, and the French have talked about that uh, for decades and centuries, and uh, whether they use the word terroir or not, um, it exists in uh, many places around the world. Uh, Not always. Sometimes the terroir is a little bit sterile, so you don't get much, but uh, Walla Walla is best known for the wind-blown lus, and that is the very fine, silty, sandy, um, loamy soil that blows in the wind. It's all from the uh, Missoula floods, and it goes uh, several feet deep uh, over, of course, the uh, basaltic uh, lava flows that uh, um, well littered the land on eastern Washington. And uh, we have a bunch of less uh, in our vineyard and it uh, over there in Old Mill Creek. And some of our neighbors include Omri's Vineyards, of course, Walla Walla Vintners, and our friends, uh, the Figgins family, and their Leonetti Reserve Vineyard, uh, which they're growing Cabernet right across our little driveway. You have um, a great vineyard manager, and you couldn't take this giant leap and gamble of doing a dry land uh, vineyard without some professional help. Now, who's uh, leading the charge of our viticulture um, experiment?
2: Our vineyard manager is by the name of Kenny Hart, who's been in this business probably more than 20 years, who uh, farms about 16 entities um in um, many many acres and so he was able to uh to farm of uh, 16 acres uh with his team of uh, pretty seasoned and experienced uh, uh vineyard workers and they work hard i mean they work they work early they're there early like at 5 a.m. And long hours and they're they a very good team. We're very happy that we had them. And I think so to, uh, is Kenny, uh, who is very proud of uh, the fruit that was um, coming out of our vineyard as well.
1: Well, I'm excited to taste one of Kenny's wines. I know you brought two wines. To, uh, I asked you to bring something you were um, you had some sentimental value for you. Tell me about the first wine you selected for today's tasting.
2: I brought along a uh, Magoo. It is uh, a second wine of uh, produced by Chateau Margaux de Pavillon Rouge. Uh, it is uh, supposed to be the Young Vines uh, in Margaux's vineyard. And this bottle, particularly in 1999, is, um, is sort of a tough year in Bordeaux. It does take uh, a lot longer to open up, and I believe that... Uh, that um i need to try it so t- today <laughs> is a good uh, opportunity to to try it with christopher and um so far it's still a little tight i believe but it's beginning to open up a little bit, a little bit.
1: uh this is a 1999 chateau margaux pavillon rouge it's a bordeaux blend uh, primarily the younger vines on the estate um most well it's mostly cab with a good splash of uh, merlot and a little petit verdot I don't think they put any Cab Franc here, um, and probably not any Malbec. So uh, you get all the winemaking expertise, of course, that uh, the beautiful, uh, well, they call it the butt of Margot, right? Isn't that what it was, the little two hills, the slopes there next to...
0: uh, um, La Tour, Lille-Valascasse, a
2: little further south of uh, Saint-Julien.
1: Pichon-Baron, Comtesse de la uh, Yes, not Lille-Valascasse, that's in Saint-Julien. Yes. Yes it is. Okay, so uh, the second wine you've selected was
2: is Is from our vineyard, the yellow bird. It is a Tempranillo. All right, look at that. And two thousand ten. Uh of course this would be uh our uh sixth no a fourth four fourth harvest. Six, seven, eight, nine, yeah, ten. Four fifth. harvest. And it's tasting delicious. Is uh, We Scent. had very excellent uh, results from the tempranillo, and we were able to um, uh, have uh, Kenny Hart uh, make a 100% uh, tempranillo uh, from our vineyard. And I believe it's tasting very nicely.
1: Uh, very exciting. I'm excited to taste some of the uh, um, Yellowbird Vineyard Tempranillo from uh, Kenny Hart and Tulpin Sellers 2010. As for the 1999 Pavillon Rouge, um, you have uh, a, a love for all things Margot. You actually have a daughter named Margot. I'm surprised you didn't call her Chateau Margot, although she doesn't quite have the stature to be a Chateau. <laughs> She's probably a little pension. Um, this is a wonderful wine and I understand that you're one of the few people in the state that actually has uh, uh well, a long lasting vertical of Margot.
2: Yes. Um I believe that um our daughter, which is happened to be your sister. Oh yeah. Uh <laughs> was hey, sis. was conceived um in the vineyard no well <laughs> not quite in the vineyard, but in the wine country. And out of um Uh, good memories, so Margot would be an appropriate name, and because of that, I celebrated her birth with uh, buying Margot, collecting Margot every year, and this would be our 27
1: vintages. All right. Well, we'll have to, when she graduates from medical school, we'll have to open some of that up and enjoy it. now. I think this wine is actually spectacular um it is uh it's rich and robust, but it also has this elegance and finesse um, this mild soft complexity that lingers on the palate The acid is medium plus uh the tannin is just medium and, and it's mostly grape uh, with a hint of wood, a little oak um, there's a creaminess on the palate it's uh it's a sexy wine and for nineteen ninety nine this is really i think it's this is probably at its peak um And I know this wine will evolve in the glass still. I don't think we'll have enough time to really see its true evolution. Um, And you love Pavillon Rouge, right? This is one of the great values in the world of wine?
2: Yes. I think if you ever want to taste a Chateau Mago Mago, uh, you could, well, start with the Pavillon Rouge. Although the uh, the price is still reasonable, it's it's still up there, considered to be... um, in the, in the in the range of the second growth, although I don't think Pavillon Rouge is uh, is classified at this point.
1: No, it's not. It's just uh, the uh, super seconds, what they like to call them, the circus second labels of those great chateaux. Lovely wine and perfect for the rest of the Saturday night. Let's try the uh, 2010 Yellowbird Vineyard 100% Tempranillo from Tulpen Cellars and
2: our main man, Kenny Hart. I believe that the Tempranillo 2010 from Yellowbird uh has about 20% new french oak and i, I can't believe in uh what you call biodynamic um, method of making wine so in other words he interfere very little with the um, the fruit and the uh, wine making process And let uh, best to show uh, off itself and uh this is 2010 so it has been in a bottle for at least a year and I think that little tiny amount of oak, actually oak, man. Um, def- been in
1: barrel for about a year. Yes. Been in bottle for four. Mm-hmm.
2: So that would enhance the flavor of the wine. I enjoyed it. I think the wine is actually tasting better and better since opened it.
1: um I- I remember tasting this wine right out of the gate, and uh, I thought it was still very tight. I thought the acid was much higher at the time, um, and it almost seemed like it, it needed some, some bottle uh, age. And now tasting it, it's a beautiful wine. It's it's uh, complex. It's ripe. Um, but the acid is just perfectly balanced with this tannin, and um, it is grape tannin with just a touch of the oak. Um, very juicy wine. I'm going to continue to savor both of these wines as we go through this break. And when we come back, we're going to chat about, uh, well, some of the future of uh, the world of wine as you see it, uh, Dr. Chan, and uh, share some of the stories I have about, um, you know, my venture into the, the viticulture and the vineyard. So, folks, stick around. We'll be right back on 570 KVI, and you're listening to Happy Hour Radio, a Father's Day edition with Dr. Gregory K. Chan, also known as my dad. So stick around, folks. We'll be right back on Happy Hour Radio.
0: He's back and he's in charge Kirby Wilbur, Live and local weekdays 9 to noon Talk Radio 570 KVI KVI Want to Know Weekends Time for another round of Happy Hour Radio With Christopher Chan
1: all right, welcome back to Father's Day Weekend, and happy hour radio. I had the pleasure of having, well, my dad, Dr. Greg Chan, who uh, is a wine man, uh, a vineyard owner, and uh, a cellar master, <laughs> and also the guy who got me into uh, these fine uh, beverages from around the world. Pops are drinking 99 Chateau Margot Pavillon Rouge, which is uh, what we call the super second, and a fantastic um, value, delicious wine, showing beautifully right now, the 99, um, so tasty and complex, smooth. And then we have something from your vineyard, the family vineyard, uh, Yellowbird Vineyard in Walla Walla, just in Old Mill Creek, right above Gordy Veneary's Walla Walla Vintners, across from uh, Tom and Kathy Schaefer's Amaris Winery, and uh, of course, right next door to Leonetti Upland Reserve Vineyard. We have 100% Tempranillo, the 2010 vintage, um, rather young, but uh, certainly smooth, balanced and beautiful. You like it?
2: You happy? I love it. I'm going to mention that the brand of this wine by Kenny Hart is topin T-U-L-P-E-N, which is available online.
1: Toppen, Toppen Yes. Dot com? Yes. Topin, uh, is tulip, an mm-hmm. Indian word or a Native American?
2: topin word? is Dutch, I think. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I don't think the... Uh, uh, the
1: Indian wasn't well, everybody Native tulips. American at some point, uh, Or was that everyone Chinese? I forget what they say. Uh, fantastic wine, you have uh, a host of wines father 's Day weekend do you have some special wines for uh, father 's Day dinner tomorrow or is that something you want me to go down and raid the cellar or would you have you must have a wine that you've been thinking about?
2: Of course, I would, but I guess you probably would trump me on get something else, but i 'll
1: be surprised uh, <laughs> trump you it's, it's <laughs> your day yeah, i i can we can always augment your selection. I would course. certainly never trump you. Um, and it all depends on the order we drink them in. Well, that'll be fine. I'm sure Mom will be cooking up something great, and hopefully everyone out there is taking care of their dad or um, celebrating the, their dad if they are now departed. Um, hopefully they got something great in uh, their carafe or their decanter or perhaps even their box, uh, trying some boxes of wine. And, Pops, you were on the panel of the uh, 2016... Uh, Seattle Wine Awards, Oregon Wine Awards, and Idaho Wine Awards. Uh, You tasted a bunch of wine. Did
2: you find some you liked? Yes, I do, and I did. I actually found the Merlot of uh, uh, Washington to be very well made. It's getting better every year. I tasted it. I believe that uh, Washington Merlot is a sleeper and also is a very underrated undervalued wine i wish uh, you all would go and try <laughs> it and uh, and see if you agree with me
1: yeah um miles has know thing merlot is uh, one of the great grapes in the world in fact the most planted red grape in uh, porto um, when it comes down to it merlot is a is is typically a soft round juicy complex well moderately complex wine um, it's really the good uh, I am not say a beginner wine but a crowd pleaser doesn't have the tannin that a lot of the Cabernets and Cabernet Francs could have um, and it goes well with I think it goes well with chicken salmon and uh, really anything it goes great with a glass <laughs> um, Do you have a favorite wine from Walla Walla I mean that's a hard question but I'm gonna put it to you anyway
2: well my favorite wine and Walla Walla of course is still Neonetti. Oh, look at that. Yes. Actually, of all the Neonetti I have tried, I just like the Merlot. I thought the Merlot was very well-made. Again, is the best value of and best-made wine they have.
1: <laughs> and, uh, of course, that is probably their their middle-tier wine. They've got the Sangiovese, they've got uh, the Figgins Family stuff, and... Of course, I think they made it recently, but I'm not sure if that's a Leonetti. Well, uh, Mirlo, uh one of the fabulous grapes um, in the wines. Of course, they were the first winery out there in Walla Walla, and then came Rick Small, then came Marty Club, and then came Gordy Vineyard. I think it was number eight bonded winery, so i have to fill in the breaks. Waterbrook was in there, too, someplace. Uh, Hope you enjoyed this little uh, Father's Day special, Dad. Um, thanks for sharing the 99 Chateau Margot Pavillon Rouge. And, of course, uh, kudos to Kenny Hart and uh, his great work with his crew at uh, Yellowbird Vineyard, also known as P.O.P.O. Mux, who is the... Uh the murdered, once murdered chief of the Walla Walla Warring tribe. Were they warring? I guess they got beat, huh? <laughs> Oregon, those guys, those those guys from Oregon, huh? They just, they just stomped on it. Um, and there's some good stuff in Walla Walla because Walla Walla extends into Oregon, and uh, of course we have the In the Rocks District, which uh, we'll be trying some of those wines uh, this weekend in Walla Walla at uh, Celebrate the World of Cabernet Sauvignon. Uh, perhaps any advice for those people collecting wines? Should everyone start with Lancers?
2: Well, it's not bad. I think Rosé actually is a good wine to start. It doesn't have to be Rosé. We have plenty of uh, Rosé wine available in, to, in in this country, in this state. Particularly, I think, uh, Christopher, you, you made a Rosé cor- Coral Rosé. Pink Coral Rosé. Coral Rosé. Coralwines.com. Yep, very beautiful wine. I think your mother just loved it. Well, thank you. I hope everyone loves it and it's available. And,
1: uh, hey, folks, thanks for tuning in to this Father's Day special and listening to uh, my mentor, my muse, Dr. Gregory K. Chan, uh, also known as my dad. So, folks, remember, if you're out and about, uh, have a great time. But always remember, life is always better with a designated driver. See you next week. Cheers.